name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, Rez. So good to be worshiping with you once again. If you are new, if this is your first time here at Res, we want to spe- extend a special welcome to you. Please make sure you find us to say hello after the service. Uh, it's so good that you are here with us this morning. I wanted to just give you a quick update. You probably maybe have seen some of this on social media. Uh, I am the acting rector here uh, at Res. My name is Father Ryan. Our actual rector is on sabbatical right now, and they just uh, settled into their trip in Europe uh, this last week. So uh, they're doing well. They're enjoying their time so far in Spain. Uh, continue to pr- pray for the McCain family as they uh, continue on this sabbatical uh, in Europe for this season, and they'll come back uh, to us in a few months' time. Uh, if you weren't sure about this last week, there's no question anymore that we are now in the season of ordinary time. We are fully decked out in green ready to dive into this great growing day, into the great green growing days of ordinary time, where we follow Jesus into the ordinary days of our life. And before I continue, you notice all the green that we have. We have a few extra green things up in front. We've got uh, some green pyramids. We've got this uh, green pyramid over on the lectern. We've got these beautiful banners. I would be remiss if I didn't uh, extend a special thank you to Debbie Cruz, who is our altar guild lead. She is... She's doing a wonderful job of beautifying our space in all sorts of different ways. So thank you, Debbie, for all of your hard work. Uh, She's amazing. Um, uh, This year, during Ordinary Time, our lectionary will be taking us from now until Advent. Uh, We'll be taking us through the Gospel of Luke. We are going to be spending a lot of time in the Gospel of Luke. I think I looked ahead, and maybe there's one or two uh, Sundays from now until Advent that we won't be in Luke. So get ready. I, for one, cannot wait. I love the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we will be preaching through the Gospel, much of the Gospel of Luke during this season. And if you're not familiar with Luke's Gospel or still getting to know it, there are a lot of themes that run throughout the book of, of, that Luke wrote for us. Many of, I'm sure, we'll touch on. I'm not going to get to them all, obviously, in one sermon. But there are a lot of themes that run through the, the, the Gospel of Luke. One of these themes has to do with fulfillment, Luke's gospel is about fulfillment, but it's not the kind of fulfillment you might be thinking about. If we look at Luke chapter 1, verse 1, Luke's very first words to us, the very first words that he recorded to us are this, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been what? That have been fulfilled among us. Very first words of Luke. This is how Luke sees all of the Gospels and how he sets about writing out his own account of the story of Jesus. It is about bearing witness to all that has been fulfilled. You see, the story of Jesus recorded here in the Gospels isn't just ancient history that is being recorded for the sake of history. It's not just an interesting historical account of this guy that did some interesting things. No, something deeper is going on here. In the Gospels. Luke's intent in writing the gospel, his gospel is to bear witness to this fulfillment in Jesus, to bear witness to this fulfillment of the covenant story of God and his people, Israel. And before that, the story of God and his creation. 
the entirety of the Old Testament and its creation and covenantal history is now culminating now here in the witness of the Gospels. This is why we get from Luke the account of Jesus in the synagogue in Luke 4. You probably know this story in Luke 4. Here we find Jesus at the very beginning of his earthly ministry. He'd been baptized in the River Jordan and went out and was tested by Satan in the wilderness. And then he began traveling around Galilee. And Jesus made his way to Nazareth, his hometown, and stood up in the synagogue with the scroll of Isaiah in his hand. And he began to read these well-known verses. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then what happens? What happens in that synagogue? Jesus rolls up the scroll and gives, gives it back to the attendant and sits down. And the eyes, if you read the story, it's, it says that the eyes of everyone were fastened on Jesus. What is he going to say next? And he says, today this scripture is what? Does anyone know? It's fulfilled. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The gospel of Luke is about fulfillment. And I think these verses in Luke 4 function as a sort of interpretive key to unlocking the rest of the gospel. I think Luke wants us to know that in the story of Jesus, is all, all of the story of Jesus is about fulfillment. The fulfillment of these passages like we get from Isaiah that's quoted here in Luke 4. Jesus, the Messiah King, came into the world to do this very work. To proclaim good news to the poor. To proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. And to set the oppressed free. And all of this to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of jubilee. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, in the person of Jesus. Can you imagine hearing this if you were in that synagogue? It is an incredible statement. God had called the people to himself, the people of Israel, to be a blessing to the nations in the Old Testament, to a world that had gone incredibly wrong, to a world desperately needing to be made right again. And it was through this people that God was going to bring redemption and healing and deliverance to the world. But we know how the story goes, right? This people, the people of Israel in the Old Testament, ultimately could not deliver on this mission. But there were rumblings, rumblings throughout the prophets of a Messiah who would come and save them. And so the people of Israel waited. They waited for this Messiah to come and fulfill these promises of God that were prophesied long ago. Malcolm Geitz, is a, he's an English priest. You might have heard of him before. He's a priest and a, poem, a poet who's written many poems and sonnets about the Christian year. He's one of my favorite uh, poets. And he actually has a sonnet for St. Luke and his gospel. He, he wrote something that kind of describes in, in poetic form uh, what the gospel of Luke is all about. And I just want to read just a few, a few of uh, the, the, the verses from this poem. He says that Luke is the living pillar of our healing a lowly ox the servant of the four we turn his page to find his face revealing the wonder and the welcome of the poor he breathes good news to all who bear a burden good news to all who turn and try again 
The meek rejoice and prodigals find pardon. A lost thief reach, reaches paradise through pain. The voice, the voiceless find their voice in every word and with our lady magnify our Lord. This is the gospel of Luke, y'all. And here in the synagogue in Jesus' hometown of Nazareth, Luke sets us on this journey of fulfillment in his gospel. Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your reading or in your hearing. In Jesus, in his very person, the promises of God are being fulfilled for the sake of the world, for the sake of you and I. Everything from here on out is all about this mission of fulfilling God's promises in the world. To heal and deliver and set free the poor, the blind, the prisoner. So let's fast forward to our gospel reading for today from Luke chapter 8. And and in this reading, we bear witness to this mission of God being fulfilled in the region of the Gerasenes. As we heard Deacon Courtney proclaim just a, a few minutes ago. This was Gentile territory that Jesus was going to on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And a man who was possessed by a multitude of demons came to Jesus and asked, What do you want with me, Jesus? I beg you, do not torment me. And I can't imagine, as I was reading this this week, I cannot imagine what life would have been like for this demon-possessed man who endured so much under this oppression. It says, For a long time he had worn no clothes. He had not lived in a house. He was an outcast. He was a man who lived among the tombs. He literally lived among the dead because of his oppression. And when Jesus asked the man's name, his response was legion. For the man was possessed by many demons. But it was no accident that Luke included this detail in the story. That he was called legion. Because up until this point, if, if you were just like a casual reader like myself, this story just sounds like a simple healing miracle, right? But for Luke's readers, this name Legion took on a deeper meaning as they encountered this story of a man under the, the oppression of a legion of demons. No doubt they would be reminded of their own oppression. For the people in the ancient Roman world, the word Legion had only one meaning. Legion referred to an army of 6,000 Roman soldiers. That's how they understood Legion. In those days, legion represented for them a political and military force that occupied their land and controlled their lives and their futures. Suddenly, this exorcism, this simple miracle of healing in chapter 8 to Luke's readers would have taken on a much bigger significance. What was Jesus up to here? This whole episode invites all of us to consider what Jesus What does Jesus have to do with the forces in our lives that occupy and control us like this demon-possessed man? What are the powers in our world today that oppress and destroy human life, whether they be demonic like in our story, or whether they be political or cultural or economic or militaristic? If we had a pen and paper and started writing all the different ways the powers are at work in our worlds, destroying life, I have no doubt that that list would be really long, wouldn't it? What are the powers in our world today that oppress and destroy human life? This is a question that's worth sitting with for a while. But Luke invites us to dig deeper here, I think. What is our relationship to these powers? Are we the oppressed 
like the demon-possessed man in the story? Are we the ones who are subject to these powers? Or, or are we the ones who, who are contributing to the oppression of others? Are we participating in the powers of the world? I imagine that if we took some time to think about those two questions, we'd find ourselves on both sides of that, right? We're subject to oppression, and we participate in oppression in the world. The people of Israel in the Old Testament, at different times and in different places, found themselves on both sides of that story. And it's not difficult to trace how the church has been on both sides of this story as well, even in our own day. This is why this seemingly simple story of a demon-possessed man being healed and delivered by Jesus is so important for us to hear with fresh ears this morning. Because today we proclaim the good news that Jesus came to challenge and cast out every power that imprisons and blinds and oppresses in this world. Jesus came to, to challenge and cast out every power that prevents us from living fully and freely as human beings created in the image of God. Just as Jesus healed the demon-possessed man and released him from his captivity in Luke chapter 8, so too Jesus is at work healing and restoring and setting free even now by his Spirit. Even now the promises of God are being fulfilled in Jesus in our world today. The Gospel of Luke is all about fulfillments. Jesus fulfilling the Missio Dei, the mission of God that was started all the way back in Genesis and ran straight through Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection and ascension. And now this Missio Dei is at work through the liberating and healing power of the Spirit in the world. Our New Testament reading for today from the book of Galatians echoes this, the similar theme, I think, as our reading from Luke today. In chapter 3, verse 23 of Galatians Paul continues his argument that the law, this marker of the covenant between God and his people in the Old Testament, ultimately could not bring about salvation. The law was merely, as it says in verse 24, a guardian until Christ came. And it is only in Christ that we become inheritors of the kingdom of God. When we are rooted in Christ, we are inheritors of a kingdom where there is no Jew or Greek no slave nor free, no male nor female. In other words, in Christ, we become inheritors of a kingdom where all the forces and the powers of the world that try to divide and oppress and, con and conquer are ultimately cast out. This is good news, church. And this is a word for us today as we celebrate Juneteenth Day today with our black brothers and sisters both here and around the country. Juneteenth Day on this day in 1865 when some 200 miles away in Galveston, Texas, the enslaved African Americans in Texas were declared free by General Order Number 3. The institution of chattel slavery in the South had finally and fully been dismantled. On that day in 1865 in Texas, the words of the Isaiah scroll about setting the oppressed free were being fulfilled in their hearing. Juneteenth Day is a day to celebrate what God has done to the powers in our world that aim to destroy life. But it is also a day to be reminded that there is work yet to be done, right? There is work yet to be done to heal and restore and set free in our worlds. Our diocese 
sent out a guide for Juneteenth Day. If you're a part of the C4SO newsletter, you might have gotten this this, this week. And this guide included a, a quote by African-American theologian J. Cameron Carter. Carter was reflecting on the reality that the events of Juneteenth Day in 1865 in Texas came actually two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation of President Lincoln. So for two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation, there were still people of color in bondage while the Civil War fought on. And even after the war was over, even after the war was over, there were places like Texas where the Union Army had not gotten to yet. And so slavery still went on for two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation. So according to to Carter, in his words, he says that Juneteenth Day actually represents a lagging liberation. Yes, technically emancipation had been declared two and a half years earlier, but the full emancipation of slavery was not fully realized right away. And this lagging liberation is a powerful metaphor for us, for what it means to live in the in-between of the already and the not yet of the kingdom of God. We live in the in-between. This is Carter's words. We live in the in-between between God's promised freedom for the oppressed and, for, and healing for the suffering on one side and the present realities of the powers in our worlds that continue to hold captive and oppressed today. For Carter, Juneteenth signifies the fact that freedom and liberation is both behind us and ahead of us. This is true for the ongoing struggles for people of color who continue to be faced with racial injustice in our worlds, even today. And if we zoom out, the same can be said about the larger kingdom work that we have before us in the world. The freedom and liberation and healing that is revealed in Luke 4 and that we bear witness to in the healing of the demon-possessed man in Luke 8 remind us that this Missio Dei, this mission of God, of Jesus fulfilling the promises of, of God, is both behind us and ahead of us. There's work to be done. And like the people in this surrounding country of the Gerasenes, we might find ourselves actually resistant to this work, resistant to Jesus and his healing power in the world. We bear witness not just to the healing of this demon-possessed man, but we also bear witness in this story to the fear that seized the people in the surrounding countries after this man was healed. We don't know why they they were seized with fear. Maybe the deliverance from legion that they witnessed was too costly for them for some reason. Maybe it brought up too much uncertainty about their lives and and how they would be lived. Maybe it was just too frightening for them. We don't know. But for those who Jesus did heal and deliver, like this demon-possessed man in Luke 8, these people knew that Jesus' mission, his liberating action towards them was good news. They were the inheritors of Jesus' redemptive and healing ministry, of challenging and casting out the powers that seek to destroy life. And every day we are invited into this same work as the church. Every day we have the the opportunity to set aside the fears that might seize us and walk with Jesus in this in-between space that we live in today. Even today, 
God is at work in Jesus, bringing God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And in this season of ordinary time, he invites us to follow him into this work. In just a minute, I'm going to pray and invite a time of silence for us to reflect just for a moment as we enter into the silence. We're going to reflect on these questions that I brought up. And so I just invite you as we enter into that silence just to sit with it for a minute. And maybe it'll spill over into the rest of your day or the rest of your week. That's good. I invite you to consider these questions and contemplate this reality that Jesus came to challenge and to cast out every power that imprisons and blinds and oppresses in this world. So the first question is this, how is that good news for you today? How is the good news that Jesus casts out every power, how is that good news for you today? Second question is this, what fears emerge for you as you think about that work in the world, the missio day, the work of God of redeeming and restoring and healing? What fear does that bring forth for you? And lastly, how might your life need to adjust this week to sync up with this good news? What needs to change? How can you step into this good news in a new way? Lord Jesus, we want to follow you as we live in this already and not yet of your kingdom. We celebrate the ways we have witnessed you working and healing and bringing life. And we also know that there is work yet to be done. We celebrate this Juneteenth day. The ways in which you fulfilled the words of Luke 4 in 1865, but we also know there's work yet to be done. Jesus, heal us by your spirit. From any powers that might seek to destroy and oppress, heal us that we might bear witness just as the demon-possessed man did, to how much you have done for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.